and the other one is that I genuinely think Yuki Tsunoda will one day be a Formula 1 world champion. Hello and welcome to the Undercut Podcast. I'm your host, Team Albers Daily. We're back to preview this weekend's Azerbaijan Grand Prix. Yes, F1 is back. And joining me as ever are the banes of my existence, Jesse Billington and Eddie May Taylor. How are you both? We're only the banes of your existence because we're having a better time of life than you are. But anyway, I'm very you well. You can't prove that at all. <laughs> yes, we can. I was out at Vista Heritage over the weekend, had a lovely time, saw some lovely classic cars, got the MG out the garage, roof down, sunshine. It was fantastic. Admittedly nice, but not necessarily better. Eddie May, how are you? I'm good. My mouth is still slightly swollen from my op, and I've now had a bad reaction to the amoxicillin antibiotics that they've given me. So my body now resembles a strawberry. But she says she's good, so that's the main thing. We'll just move swiftly on. Yeah. So with oh yes, no, I'm I'm absolutely splendid, thank you. I'm having a great time over here. Um, We've got some news. What the hell has happened? Our first segment, as always, and Jesse, some interesting news coming out of Rukit Rocket Rukit. I think think it's how do we say it? Yeah. Well, I think it's Rocket. Um, Rocket, the old sponsor for Williams, is claiming a $149 million against the team in US courts. Uh, they'd already have a failed claim against the team in the UK, and this is all down to damage to reputation. And uh, mind you, no one knew who Rocket were before they appeared on the 2019 Williams. And, and we're not still not sure. Still not entirely sure who they are now, so I'm not entirely certain what reputation they've damaged. If anything, it has built a reputation for them. Um, But at the time, they made 3D telephones like mobile phones. Never actually seen anyone using one outside of George Russell once or twice around the paddock for press reasons. Um, Yeah, so essentially what they're saying is that when we came in and saw the car before we gave our sponsorship to it, it looked promising. They said they were going to hit these sort of performance statistics, and they never did. Um, So they sort of want their money back because they thought they were sponsoring a better car than they did. Uh, equally, Williams have gone, yeah, but you also rescinded half the money you were supposed to sponsor us in 2020, to which they've gone, oh, well, it was only half a season. No other sponsor seemed to have had an issue with that one. Why is it just these guys? Something seems sus with them. I don't know. It's not going to be a rich energy saga, but probably one worth keeping an eye on to see where this money is going in and out of. I think we'll all just call it a success if we can get to the end of this and figure out how to definitely pronounce the title name. It's Rocket. That's how it was called and pronounced at the time. It, mm. It's Rocket. You seem to be the only one struggling with this. I was still struggling on 3D phones because surely all phones are 3D, but there we go. It means the screen's projection is 3D. The same as when Nintendo did the 3DS. You had the slight sort of drop element to the display, so you've got two different... It's that really cutting-edge technology it. we wanted from, from Pinnacle of Motorsport and Formula 1. I can see why they're annoyed with themselves. Um, I would say my main point that I sort of I haven't really looked that much into it but they're claiming Williams lied to them when they stated they had a competitive car for 2019 now I may be looking at this too logically here but Williams scored I know Williams scored a total of seven points in 2018 and those points were scored at two races so alarm bells would have been ringing at the point at that point, before even signing a contract, but they did, fine. The team then turned up to late to testing the following year. Williams then failed to score a point until Germany on the 28th of July, 2019, the, el- 2019, the 11th round of the season. 
And that was the only point they scored that year. Yet Rocket decided to extend their contract with Williams for a further two years. Rocket would have seen for themselves what Williams were like and that they weren't performing, yet that they extended the, their contract for two years. Rocket knew what they were getting into. I don't think they have a leg to stand on. Yeah. And she's got a law degree, so we know she's definitely onto something here. I mean, there's a reason it was thrown out of the UK courts without any settlement, and they're basically going, nah, you, you should have really ch- known what you were getting into. Did you not, like, check before you signed anything? And that's the thing, like, it took a rain-soaked Hockenheim in 2019 for Williams to score one point with Robert Gubitza that year. And, yeah, just just an odd one, really. And admittedly, the team made some steps forward the following year. 2020 was a lot better. Um, they certainly had a little more success of things to a certain extent, but by no means was it a marked improvement. But yeah, it's interesting. One to certainly keep an eye on, but I can't see anything important coming out of this unless it turns out Rocket are literally a money laundering thing. Although they have other arms, which is interesting. So, But again, don't think I've ever experienced something from one of their other branches. Maybe we'll have to do an expose episode at some point for them and some other dubious characters from Formula 1 history. Are Maybe. they the same Rocket as in Rocket Venturi or a different Rocket? I think so, yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's the same Rocket as in Rocket Venturi. I'm fairly certain. I mean, let's give it a quick... Yeah, 99% quick sure. So how can they say it's damaged their reputation? Uh, Maybe they've got a good reputation in Formula E when they were there because they're not there now anymore, are they? Well, no, hmm. but it's now Maserati and I guess they didn't keep that sponsor. Hmm. Yeah, it was Rocket Venturi. And again, everyone there called it Rocket. So I think we understand how it's supposed to be pronounced at this point in time. Um, but you yeah. spell it properly. It, you, no brand spells their name properly. Anyway, um, moving on to the second point in our list. Yes. Russell and Mercedes have been teasing a new and better car. And there is actually potential for that happening because James Allison has moved back into the role of technical director. He vacated that role 20 months ago and Mike Elliott came in to replace him. And uh, they're basically kind of swapping roles a little bit now and stepping back and developing the car a bit. And Mike Elliott's more looking towards the 2026 regulations. Um, So it's kind of, they've definitely wrung out the last few bits of last year's concept it would seem just to see if there was anything perhaps that they had missed just in case there was that magic thing there but it would appear that there is not as they would have wanted so it'd be interesting to see what James Allison can do how quickly those upgrades will come if we even see it as soon as this weekend given the break we've had between races and if not how soon they come into play because we're going to have a pretty pretty busy time for it now that everyone's back right up until the summer break which considering we're still in April it's going to be quite the slog Mm. I think Mike Mike Elliott swapping back to being sort of not necessarily the overarching sort of design principal will be or technical director would be a good thing. He was much more an aerodynamicist, and I think I don't want to say he should have kept in his lane. That seems a bit sort of girl boss gatekeepy, but he definitely sort of had a, a field he was more specialised in. And equally, um, James Allison was very sort of proficient in sort of running the technical side of the team the technical program so it'll be interesting to see if the changes they make especially as the team have sort of by everything bar launch saying having a press release saying they're doing a sort of b-spec car are going to be having a b-spec car for this season so yeah plenty to look forward to in what this could possibly see talking of b-spec though ellie may ricardo doesn't want any b-spec teams for next year if he comes back 
No. Ricardo stated in an interview with Top Gear that he isn't worried about the scarcity of seats available for next year's F1 season. Ricardo is currently rediscovering his, loss, his love for Formula One as a reserve driver for Red Bull after the pretty public breakup with McLaren last season and has his eye on returning to the grid next year. He said in the interview, it doesn't scare me. It's always been like that. And I know, and I knew this was going to be a risk, obviously removing myself from a seat. But I think it's clear that I don't want, I don't just want any seat next year. I don't want to just start from zero and kind of build my F1 career from scratch. It's not coming from an arrogant place, but I'm just past that. I don't think that that's going to stimulate me or give me a second wind I'm looking for. So it makes the top seats even scarcer. But that, but that's where I know I will be able to perform at my best and thrive. thrive. I think... The key thing from the interview is that he's saying, obviously, he wants a seat at the top rather than just filling the numbers. I think that's fair. And like he said, it's not coming from an arrogant place. He's a race winner, winning eight times. And he would have won a championship if Red Bull were more competitive back in the day. Not forgetting, he did come third in the championship behind the dominant Mercedes in both 2014 and 2016. He got a Renault podium with them, which they haven't had since 2011 with Nick Highfield at Malaysia. And they gave them McLaren their first win in 10 years. And he's been the only one to get anywhere near Verstappen. I still never fully know why it didn't work out with McLaren, but a year out is what he's needed, more so for his mental mental health. You know, Christian Horner has openly said they've had to fatten him up and he came back with some bad habits, which they've been able to turn around quite quickly. I think coming back to Red Bull, Ricardo has has found his love for F1 again, and he's enjoyed going back to the sim and working with Simon Rennie, who was his engineer back in the day. And just by coming back to that familiarity, he's, he's seen that confidence that have come back to the levels that they previously were. I think obviously the hardest part is where is that seat going to come up? I think at the moment, all eyes are on Sergio Perez and what's going to happen this season. I think Perez is in a very difficult position at the minute where he has no other option but to, to perform because his entire team at Red Bull have welcomed Daniel back with open arms. And he said he feel, feels like he's never left, yet there's a higher level of maturity from both parties. And I think Red Bull is his most likely option. I can't really see it being anywhere else unless you have something like Hamilton does decide to move and or Leclerc gets tired of Ferrari. But again. So the only place I could see him be outside of Red Bull would be Ferrari, and that would be as a result of yet another major calamity there. I think he would fit in well with kind of, he would be that kind of breath of fresh air that they would need. You could see him doing well in Italy and in doing well with the Italians and just generally that whole vibe. Um, but again, I don't know who I'd rather have alongside him in that car. Would you rather have Charles, who's still been trying to have it as his team, or would it be signs and then he has to play perhaps second fiddle to yet another driver and prove himself again? Or is it just easier that he takes on Max at Red Bull because he knows he can beat him? I think he'd have a better time taking on Max at Red Bull. Uh, he would not like Ferrari. I don't... If Ferrari is... It, it's held in this high regard because it is Ferrari. But at the same time... A lot of stuff it, would need to change, I admit. Yeah, a lot of things would need to change. And I don't think when you say he'd be a breath of fresh air the team needs, they said that about Carlos Sainz when he came in. He dominated Leclerc for a season and is still really sort of putting Leclerc I under the pressure. I think that's the thing, though. It's like breath of fresh air, but as much as 
Ferrari and necessarily allows it to be, which is why potentially it would be better if he was partnered with Signs because I think there'd be less confusion. There'd be more of a, I don't say more of a partnership because it, I don't want to muck on Charles there, but it always seemed like Charles's team ever since he's got there. And I mean, to, to push Vettel out essentially, or it came across that way at times. Well, I think the Signs and Ricardo partnership would be more interesting and kind of better for them as a team, but I still think Red Bull would be a lot easier. Sorry, Perez, because we do love you. Equally, I don't think it's worth ruling out Max dipping out after this year. If he has another completely True. dominant season, racks up a third world championship and goes, you know what? He I'm, could I'm... decide he might want to do the triple crown, go IndyCar or go for the Le Mans instead and do something yeah. along those lines. Because he does like his endurance racing. He does a lot of it on the sim when he's not being interrupted mm. by um, Daniel Kofiat's daughter. So, I mean, there's... there's... <laughs> There's good scope for Max to possibly go, you know what, I've done the three seasons in F1, I've set records, I've proven that I can be a world championship driver against every odd possible um, time to go find something new, challenge me. And he's a guy that likes a challenge and likes to look for the next thing. So I think if that were to happen, Red Bull would be daft to not put Daniel Ricciardo in that seat next to Sergio Perez. And mm. I think that would also be a very interesting challenge for Sergio Perez. Because all of a sudden you've got Red Bull's Golden Boy version 1.0, the original version, their sort of prototype, come back to the team. And all of a sudden you see how the team, again, does not shift. It just simply changes Max's name to Daniel. And he's stuck being second fiddle. But again, he's stuck being second fiddle, doing what he loves. But it's also potentially a big opportunity for, for him to beat someone and potentially would be a case for him to try and get a world championship. Yeah, it, it's sort of a, a coin of two sides on the grounds of he can sit there and be number two again and again and again, getting paid many millions of pounds every year to do so and travel the world and be a Formula One driver at the top of his field, standing on the podium every weekend, being recognised for it. Or he could challenge Daniel Ricciardo if that were to arise. It's But either it way, it's not very too bad a deal for him. <laughs> for me, um, the more interesting pairing would be Perez versus Ricciardo. Oh, yeah, no, more I'd, be, so, I'd so, be up for so, no, that's what I meant. More so than Science versus Ricardo. That's what I'll say. Yeah, because I think with Science Ricardo, it'd be more of a classic partnership because Ferrari just aren't there yet, and it would they would it would need to work together rather than just having. It's, it, I'm reminded of Silverstone last year, where Science just had to make his own strategy up to in order for him to do that because there was not a unification there across everything yet, and I think they'd have to be more of a team aspect there than necessarily like we've got everything else sorted at Red Bull we can just worry about battling it out like Mercedes did in their dominant years when you had Rosberg and Hamilton going at it. Mm. I think there are two things here. I think, say it's Red Bull have an open seat, they're more likely going to choose Ricardo because I don't think either Yuki Tsunoda or Nick DeFries are ready from AlphaTauri. No. So Ricardo kind of makes, is more sort of a sensible option. If he were to go to Ferrari, I think... The one thing that he has got that both Charles and Sainz both didn't is the experience. He knows how to win, so he can kind of make those decisions for himself. I know he wouldn't really want to, and you can tell from his relationship with Red Bull and then McLaren how he likes to have sort of a team around him. So it would be difficult in that way, but that's kind of the only thing that I can see that he's got over the other two going into Ferrari. Mm. Ferrari would want him on the grounds of him being a big team guy and sort of, I don't want to say he knows how to structure a team around him, but he knows how a good team should work. And I think if Ferrari were to bring him in, they'd be looking for that to rub off on them. 
And he, he proved in like, Renault how to do that already. It's just he never completely saw that through to fruition because he saw McLaren as a better option. But it, it would have been interesting to see how that would have developed, especially both. It kind of did it both at Red Bull and Renault. It kind of it got really good, and they thought, "Ooh, opportunity!" And then it's like, mm. "No," just before it was getting good. I think with Red Bull, it was more a case of there is not the opportunity here. When he moved from Renault to McLaren, he mistook McLaren for mm. having an opportunity, which is why it would have been but, interesting to see what would have happened if he joined if Ferrari instead. It- no, if he'd stuck then, it out at Renault, well, either, I either think it would have been certainly far more interesting. Another season with Renault, bear in mind, you've got to look at the, the performance that Ocon was able to extract from that car a season later. True, that was 2021, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And we, you look yeah. at the drives that, that Alpine was able to produce under certain conditions, all of a sudden, had Danny Rick stuck around, I think that would be a very interesting timeline to exist in. But we won't go too far down Damn that it. side track. Um, <laughs> yes, we'll so I'm going to go back on to Williams because James Vowles has said that the one point that they've accumulated so far in the first three races of 2023 is not a fair reflection of Williams this year. They've been able to battle for Grand Prix, at, well, for Grand Prix, battle for points at each Grand Prix rather, and have shown encouraging signs of improvement. They've kind of been overshadowed by Aston Martin, as Albon was saying in the first two races afterwards. And it's kind of, yeah, it's weird to think that we're ple- not not pleasantly disappointed. I'm trying to think of the right word, but we're kind of, we're cautiously optimistic about Williams, um, unlike someone else further up in the new section. Um, and kind of expecting big things from them this year in terms of at least just consistent points. And if we do get a crazy race this week in Baku, who knows what kind of stuff you could have there as a result of that, just need to capitalise on. And it's a shame that we've not been able to see the true potential of that car yet. We've seen glimmers of it. I mean, the qualifying from Albon in Australia, for example, Sargent being on it from day one for a rookie has been very impressive, more so than we thought. So it's. I'm glad that Vowers is kind of reminding everyone that this is we're disappointed with this it's kind of like oh you're disappointed with this that's excellent because that means that you're going to do really well hopefully yeah it's going to drive the team forwards and that's that's where the interesting side of it comes in this is a team that's still very driven and yeah i think it's fair to say that one point is not an accurate reflection of their performance especially when you look at australia the two incidents, one of them was Albon having a snap that was not his fault, that was not driver-caused error. Williams came out and said, no, nah, that, that wasn't him, that was a car failure. And Sargent was simply um, just suffered a, a turn one incident after the third restart of a race. Of course that was going to happen, or whatever it was. That was that was an accident waiting to happen with him, and again, that's, that's hardly his fault. He's driven exceptionally well for a rookie it's a matter of time he will get points this season it's in my, i feel it in my bones the boys getting points but yeah i think vows that is correct one point is not fair ellie may you had something to chip in yeah just basically saying i agree as well i think williams have improved a fair bit and they have very two very competent drivers with sergeant alban to help that development grow i just think at the moment the teams are quite bunched together around that area of the grid that no team is really fully showing what they are or aren't capable of. So I think we'll learn more as how about how well the teams have developed much further on into the season when we see sort of a bit more gap between each team. Mm-hmm. As the sort of had... spreads out, we'll see more of that dynamism yeah. come into play and we'll see how well Williams can sort of play around in that field and quite how well they battle against their closer on-track opponents. We also had Formula E this weekend, which was just absolutely brilliant from start to finish, barring one small thing, which was, Jesse? 
we had environmental protesters on track, which is on the face of it daft. Um, Formula E is obviously electric racing. The idea is that it's promoting the use of electricity to power automobiles, which is a if it's done properly, a more environmentally sound means of personal transportation. However, Formula E isn't in reality as green as you'd expect it to be. It's funded largely by Middle Eastern oil companies. Um, it has a sort of the lack of legacy projects or conscientious shipping that's employed by things like Extreme E. So it's, and equally, it's not without its own pollutants in the form of brake dust tires and so on. It is, it does have its own problems that it sort of is very rough at addressing. But at this, on the face of it, from a sort of standard punter when you see headlines in a newspaper environmental protesters attack electric car race it's a big step back for any of these campaigns trying to achieve some meaningful change which i feel it's, it's a bit of a daft move from essentially what was like germany's version of just stop oil it's it, it, it wasn't clever you've not come out of it looking smart and i think that they had the didn't same particularly thing. achieve anything either you just delayed a race for a few minutes a few that minutes yeah it. And I think the same thing has very much come out with the Just Stop Oil protesters that were at Silverstone last year on the grounds of you looked daft, you endangered human life because at that point marshals are having to come out onto an active, very active race circuit to go and recover these people. Some of them were later prosecuted in court for criminal trespass. And equally, Formula One is a hybrid series that only earlier this week announced its sort of next intentions with its um, sustainable fuels. So all of a sudden you're moaning about a racing series that's using sustainable fuels and is looking at becoming carbon neutral by 2030. And again, if you're going to be protesting against this stuff generally, even if you took away all motor racing, just for argument's sake, that's still probably not going to make as much of a dent in that whole area of issue as you probably want it to be. Maybe focus on a larger industry if you're going to go and get your one to know not about it. If you really want to go and moan about something, go moan about the cruising industry and cruise ships and uh, have a look at the fuel they burn, because let me tell you, it is not ethanol-based petrol. Um, <laughs> it is it is heavy I am shocked, oil. Jesse. I am shocked. And, yeah. Uh, go go have, a, have a complaint about those guys and the pollution they cause for no discernible reason. Talking about it's news like... that one person in particular is going to complain about, though, Jacob will not be happy about this next piece of news. Which one of you has that? Um, I'll jump on it because I sort of just literally caught the snippet of it. This was released last month and we somehow missed it. Um, Austria is to stick around until 2027. And I think Jacob is missing a trick here because that boy has just been on an absolute booze cruise around Portugal. And let me tell you, I like Austria. Austria has some good beers. I think Jacob and I could probably do this uh, little sort of spin-off episode where the two of us go and I try and culture him in the ways of the Austrians. Buy that he boy did some love Austria. Some I think he just fell out of love with it a little bit. So maybe you are the person to try and recapture that love with him. I think especially as we're not doing a double header this year, it won't be an Austria overload, which will be the crucial mm. thing to sort of continuing that enjoyment of it. It makes it a bit more special. You're going there just once, not a back-to-back. I think there's... There's something in this. I'll get in touch with the Austria, the Red Bull Ring and Spielberg and see if they want to host Jacob and I and indulge him in some Austrian culture and cuisine and lager. I could picture him in some Lederhosen, to be honest. I can. It's an attractive image. Jacob, if you're listening, drop me a message. We'll get something sorted. Ellie May, you had something to mention before we jumped onto Austria, though. Oh, no. It was only just... Um, kind of <laughs> a side rail of just... if like the equivalent of just stop oil or whatever are going to protest about the cruise ships at least do it at the right place because i used to work at an aerospace company 
and they tried to protest outside our gates and they chose the wrong gates they chose who, they chose our subtenants so that they have no at all again this is the strange argument for if you're going to do environmental protesting which i i personally sort of understand why you're doing it i do appreciate we need to do something about the climate um at least research why you're protesting and what you're doing please because otherwise you just look at it and ruin the whole sort of cause of it anyway um that we'll is it on. for what the hell has happened and ellie may it is time for your fun fact corner we're going to get some jazzy music for this if you keep doing this kind of stuff yeah we'll see how well it goes it's quite short this this time round, which you know might make you happy might not F tell um, me the facts first and i'll tell you well no driver has ever won the Azerbaijan Grand Prix twice. It's only and it's only ever been won by two teams, which are Red Bull and Mercedes, with three wins apiece. Seven different constructors have finished in the podium positions here, though. Obviously, Red Bull and Mercedes being two of them. The other five are Aston Martin, Ferrari, AlphaTauri, Williams, and Force India. Only two drivers have won from pole in the last six races. I am including the European Grand Prix in this, by the way. Um, so that obviously means a conversion rate of like 33.33333% recurring. And both of them were for Mercedes drivers, Rosberg in 2016 and Bottas in 2019. The most successful driver at this circuit, however, is Sergio Perez with a win, one second place and two thirds. Hamilton and Vettel are joint second with three podium finishes and then Bottas is third with two. So you're telling me there's a chance? Um. Of what? I don't want to say his name, the man we're all thinking of that we want to win desperately, but we don't want to jinx it by saying anything. Ah, uh, yeah, him. Yeah, there's, there is a chance. There is a chance. We won't say it until we get to our predictions, which don't technically count as putting curses on things. Um, but yeah, Unless you're me. <laughs> unless you're you, in which case you are very good. Have you? Please tell me you haven't picked him for that. Have you? No, oh, no, no I, I'm keeping to my track record of, of, of what Picking I'm doing. The this last year. race's results. That's good. Yes, okay. yes. But we're going to look ahead to Baku now, Jesse, and uh, probably get stuck into our preview. Yes, yeah, time to look for look ahead to Baku and what's going down in Azerbaijan and possibly a new sprint format. It's been touted by a couple of different media agencies, but nothing big's been picked up on it and nothing's been ratified. So don't get too angry or hyped up for what I'm about to say, but there is possibly a new format for the weekend that's being trialled just in Baku. And the proposed format is that Friday will host a qualifying session and... A, a practice session and a qualifying session. The Friday practice will just be a Friday practice. The qualifying will set the grid for Sunday's race. Saturday will see two track sessions as per usual, a qualifying session that will set the grid for the later sprint, which makes up essentially the second element of the Saturday. Sunday will then be as normal with the grid set on Friday being used for the race, less any changes that could be inflicted due to collisions in the sprint necessitating new parts that may have penalties associated. It makes some level of sense, and I feel that by having two qualies, we get the potential for two actual entertaining races, because it sort of eliminates the problem the sprint has always had of making the race itself boring, because it essentially unshuffles the pack, so the start of the race isn't actually exciting, as you get teams working their way back through the order if they've had a chaotic qualifying. If it works, it'll likely be good. The only snag is for people who work on Fridays and would miss out on seeing the qualifying on the telly, especially if it's the qualifying that impacts Sunday's race. Otherwise, it's not a bad idea, but as always, F1's execution can ruin the best of ideas. But again, none of that's been completely ratified yet. At the moment, this is all bunkum that's really been pulled off the internet from a couple of news sources. 
no one said if this is going ahead or not so we'll wait and see it sounds like a good idea in concept but we'll have to wait and see if it ever actually gets pushed ahead things we do know that are happening or are more likely to happen is the weather um friday is set to be 21 degrees celsius and dry saturday is looking possibly overcast and a little bit warmer um but not wet crucially while sunday is 27 degrees but crucially carries with it a 25 percent chance of rain so what rain soaked baku could be interesting indeed and i imagine a bit treacherous we're going to see a lot of adventures into those runoff corners um however which on-track battles should we look out for uh, ultimately this is probably going to be max versus checo the red bulls uh, have seemed pretty much unrivaled at this point though saying that no driver has ever won twice as bajan as Elimay has already mentioned so either of them is in with a good chance here equally max has only finished here twice in his career so it's a mixed bag for the bulls um Aston Martin versus Mercedes could be a challenge, and it really depends on what Mercedes have done in the spring break, how far along they are with their B-spec car. Ferrari could stand to mess things up here if they don't, or mess things up for other teams, that is, if they don't bungle their strategy and get their setup sorted well. If I not, love how you need to specify that, though. <laughs> if not, they'll mess things up for themselves, yeah. Um, after that, Alpine are looking to reverse their poor fortunes in Australia, where they were looking at a comfortable points haul. McLaren, AlphaTauri and Williams will likely be duking it out for the remaining points places. And I have no idea how to put a read on Haas or Alfa Romeo coming into this. Um, the fact of the matter is that Haas and Alfa Romeo have got decent power units from Ferrari, but their setups can either be excellent or cack. And Bottas is a key case in point for this one. He suffered from a poor front end in Australia. So we'll have to wait and see what the teams can develop. But on that note, we will move into our predictions, and I'm going to start off with my pole position, which, as you were saying earlier, Ellie mate, Sergio Perez, most successful driver around here, so it makes sense for me to put him in pole position for my prediction. What do you think? Fair enough. Also, as a nice segue for you to say what your prediction there was, but but sure. <laughs> I've gone for Fernando Alonso. I think that's a fairly sound prediction for Paul, more so than mine, because honestly, looking back at my predictions, I must have had some sort of fit just before dinner when I wrote these. Because I've gone for Lance Stroll. Um, the guy goes well around Azerbaijan. He's got a decent little track record on the circuit. Um, qualifying. Yeah, and then crashed in the race the year before. That was a tyre failure. That wasn't yeah, that wasn't his fault. No, but it still doesn't look good. Yeah, still a but... DNF. It's in terms of, it doesn't matter if but, he's good or not, it still means he didn't finish. Yeah, but you'd have to be a pretty shonky journalist to look at a DNF and not check why they're DNF. Oh, so, yes, but, I'm just saying, in terms of, regardless of if you're good or not, if you DNF, you DNF. And so you can say he's going to get pole, but if he crashes through no fault of his own or through Talia's fault, he's still not going to get pole. But that would involve him crashing during qualifying, not during the races you're talking about with him DNFing. The I'm fact saying he's going to crash in both. Well, that's up to you. But the fact of the matter is that he has had some good performances on the streets of Azerbaijan before. He was on the podium alongside Bottas and Daniel Ricciardo way back when he was with yes. Williams, I want to say, wasn't it? And yeah. there was that brilliant moment where Daniel Ricciardo checks with Lawrence before he offers him the shoey to drink from, which was really quite a sweet moment. Because like, I think he was barely 18 at the time or 17 or 18. So he was quite young when he sort of got on the podium there. So it was really this really funny moment of Daniel literally checking with dad before going, can he, can he have a drink? And he goes, yeah, go on. 
Um, so yeah, but Lon I think the, the Aston Martin's good. Lance's form and fitness has been really coming on some, especially since his accident leading up to the season. He was driving quite well in Australia. And I think with some real grit and determination through this sort of mini off season we've had, uh, he'll have really worked hard at getting aligned with the car and sort of empowered by what he's seen his teammate do. A stroll pole is not off the record. Like we saw him do it in the terrible conditions in Turkey. I reckon the challenging streets of Azerbaijan aren't outside of his grasp. I think in as well, I, mean, I can learn from, was it 2021 where Leclerc got pole, that, okay, you have got that hugely far section from about turn 16 then to turn one, which isn't obviously a complete straight, but you've also got a lot of cor slow corners here that you have to take in about third gear and you've got then that section of between that whole sort of castle section between eight and 12, which you have to take pretty slowly. And that's where a lot of cars that aren't so power hungry can get a lot of their time back if they can take slow corners very well. So mm. that's kind of, yeah, why I chose Aston Martin for a pole position as well. They've got a good sort of medium low speed corner setup, as we've seen previously, that they can sort of extract from the car and i think that'll be it might not translate to race pace but certainly for qualifying pace i think they might have a little something in the bag so yeah i feel it's a it's a it's a strong idea um podium wise timo you've gone with following your pattern what you had what the results were from australia so you've got verstappen hamilton alonso which i don't think is out of question it would be a fairly tame weekend overall i think if we do get that podium which i'm not against that podium it was a good looking podium last time but it would be kind of amusing if we did get it considering all the emphasis that formula one is making on the sprint regardless of which format that we get for it mm. ellie may you've gone slightly different i've gone for verstappen win alonso second and leclerc third ferrari looking to get their first podium of the season yeah yeah yeah. Taking us to round four. Capitalizing on the chaos of Baku, perhaps, for it to happen. Yes. Quite possibly. Jesse? Uh, I've gone for, I've, I've shared a few things with everyone here. So I've definitely got an Aston Martin in third. I've got an Alonso in second. I've got a Red Bull on the top step, but I've got Perez winning the race, Alonso second, and Stroll third. So, um, a mixed bag from me but again i'm i'm expecting good things from the aston martin i think we're going to see a, a slightly jumbled up race and they're going to be able to do what they often somehow sort of do is pull a, a sort of cohesive strategy out of the bag in the middle of a maelstrom and make it work and they've got a chassis to really make it work at the moment with two drivers that are really coming onto form actually alonso now that he's getting that sweet taylor swift tang might need to edit that out um is it, I'm, I'm keeping that in keep that in that he it, it's all sort of maybes um he is in the form of his life and having a good time and i reckon he'll be sort of driving with a sort of renewed sort of feel because he's not out of the running for this year's championship uh, which is a strange thing to think of despite the fact that he's not won the race yet he's in that weird spot of really good consistency could pull him through right to the end he just um, needs that one small chance and he will pounce on it that's the thing and yeah lance stroll i think is is working his way up through the field now he's sort of getting his feel for the car and finding out exactly what a good car is like underneath you i think this is this is one of his earliest chances for a podium um if he doesn't get it here he will get one or two through this season that's for certain 
And this is where Baku will now be a really boring, mundane race. It'll be as bad as last year's because none of us can really remember anything about it, aside from Max winning and Ferrari cocking it up for themselves. Oh, uh, yeah, double DNF from Ferrari because of the PU issues. Yeah. Quadruple DNF for Ferrari, I believe, because Bottas and Joe also retired yeah. with Ferrari power unit issues. <laughs> True. Uh, I think one of the Hasses retired as well. So it was like a, a quintuple, if anything. Um, that was we'll like move swiftly overall. on, I think. Yeah. We don't need to go over that pain again. Fastest lap, I am so once when, again When you say moving for... swiftly on, is that a Taylor Swift joke? Or are we... No, that was a fastest lap thing. I'm, uh, I'm, 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 yes, no, I'm not, I'm not a Swifty. Uh, George Russell, once again, is my choice of fastest lap. Just going to be, let's just see if it happens at some point this year. Once it happens, I might choose someone else. But until then, George Russell was my choice. Eddie May, you've gone route one as well in, in your option. Uh, Max Verstappen. Yeah, there we go. Always needs to be said there, Jesse. Um, I I don't know. I'm I'm stoking smoking up something. The, I'm no. I'm just, what I'm smoking is coal. I'm stoking the the firebox on the Lance. Careful, you'll have some train. protesters around your house. Oh, well, they they want me to stop oil. They just said nothing about coal, my friend. Um, <laughs> I've stoken up the Lance Stroll hype train because I think there's. Something something this season is going to really impress me with Lance Stroll, and I don't know what it is. I think it's where I've been perhaps just looking over data and things. You being sponsored by him? I'm not. Although, I he just seems like a nice guy. Lance Stroll hit He's me up nice in the DMs. Guy. He is. How many times um, that doesn't mean that you will then win a race or get on the podium or get a first slap? <laughs> I'm not saying it does. I'm just simply saying Lance Stroll, you're a nice guy. Hit me up in the DMs. Fancy dinner, a couple of drinks. Um, you're a rich. taken man, Jesse. Honestly, behave yourself. Those Lance Stroll, I think, but that's that's bros being nah, bros. Um, but the fact of the matter, looking at the data, they've come to two weird conclusions, and one of them is that Lance Stroll is criminally underrated and genuinely will win a race this season. Um, and the other one is that I genuinely think Yuki Tsunoda will one day be a Formula One world champion. But I reckon <laughs> he, will, he will go off, set up his restaurant, and come back to Formula One off the back of restaurant tourism and then become a world champion. It will take him a little while to get there, but there will be a weird sort of dull period in Formula One where Yuki Tsunoda reappears, takes a world championship, and disappears again. It'll be sort Have of. Have you like, been hanging uh, out with Eddie Jordan? No, but again, Eddie Jordan, hit me up in the DMs if you want some some fun F1 chat over a few pints of Guinness. I feel like I need to kind of apologise to Yuki Tsunoda in that I feel like I've underestimated his potential this year. I thought Nick DeFries would just outshine him and actually he's doing a really good job. Yeah, that's one of the things that really shone it to me was the fact that against a world champion in their class, Yuki Tsunoda is holding his own not too badly. And I think the training he's put in with Alex Albon over the previous season or so has really helped sort of solidify him as a driver, give him a much more sort of focused racing sort of ideology and sort of mindset. And I think it's going to take a bit of time for that to bake into him. And he will possibly do the sort of weird thing Red Bull sometimes do where they have a driver come up and then go away again and then come up again. And I think it's going to be in that weird interregnum period where Yuki Tsunoda is going to go to Japan, set up a restaurant, do Japanese super formula and then come back and win a championship with Red Bull just as everything it'll be like 2025 just before the new rules come in F1 will hit a complete nadir it'll be in a dip and they'll be almost struggling to get drivers to stick around before it gets exciting again and that's when Yuki Snowden becomes world champion that's my that's my crackpot theory you want a wild prediction before we even get to them I was gonna say I've hesitated to ask what your wild prediction even is so before we get to you because we can have that as a bombshell to finish this podcast on Eddie May let's let's build up the wild predictions we'll start with you (laughs) 
I've gone for an Alpine top five. Can I, I push you for a driver? Nope. <laughs> anyway, well... playing this game like she wants to win. Um, but I've yeah, gone they... for double Williams points because that way I can choose both drivers and I'm I'm with James Fowles. I'm getting on if I'm getting on that hype train. If you're getting on the Lance Stroll hype train, Jesse, then I'm gonna get back on. Not that I was ever really off Williams's train at any point. I'm gonna just go further up to the front end of the train and go. Yeah, let's go choo choo. He's getting on that Grove Express. Mm. Um, I mean, compared to what I've just espoused, I don't really think my wild predictions that wild. Is this going to be a terrible disappointment? It's it's five cars retire. I think. It, Oh, come on. It's Baku. <laughs> of course five cars are going to retire. Do something yeah. proper. No, I'm having five cars retire. I'm losing... That is not the... a wild prediction. I'm losing the prediction. It is not a wild... Pre- well, that, whose fault is that? Yours. Why? So make a wild prediction. Picking... No, it's a potential yes. wild prediction. At any other race, this would be a wild prediction. Why am I not allowed yes, to but it's Yes, ba- because it's Baku. Uh, it's... Oh, I'm that was a strong that. argument. Uh... I'm going to five cars the... don't retire. No, that's even dumber. <laughs> then let me have five cars retire. No, make a proper prediction. Okay, five cars from different teams retire. I I'll allow it. Five cars retire. Yes, but you're not included here. <laughs> five cars from different it. teams. Five cars from different teams. No, no, you can't say my. I can, and I just did. Here. Did she just try and deplatform Ellie May on her own podcast? <laughs> it's a bold move. Yeah, I'm sticking that to it because it's a bold right thing to do. It's in the right section. It's in the right section. I couldn't hear you. I was talking over you. Jesse, five different retirements from different teams. That's what we're going with. No. I'll, I'll add different teams, despite the fact that Ellie May is advocating for my own independence. That's another business, and she can advocate for that in her own time. <laughs> You can you can tell where the friendships lie on this podcast. <laughs> we haven't actually found a way of getting Timo exercised from this podcast yet. It's if we come back after the summer break and Hazel Southwell's like our sort of third person, you'll know what's happened. Um, I've the moved. podcast will also become four hours long at that point. But it will. Hey, on that note, though, that is it for this preview episode of the Baku Grand Prix. We also have Formula Two this weekend, and we also have F1 Academy in Austria. Although at time of recording we have no idea if and how or where we can watch it in any way shape or form so eh we'll find we'll find out i guess i genuinely think they've forgotten to look into the phrase like broadcast rights or like, yes it's um, yes there's a separate thing we'll, we'll address that in the review episode next week but that that's it for now and uh, obviously we want to if you want more of us jesse where can the people find you if you want more of me, you can find me writing for Classic Car Weekly. We've got all sorts of bits and pieces out in there. The latest issue should be out on shop shelves when this episode drops, so you can read all about Drive It Day. It was out in the MG Midget down at Vista Heritage. If you saw me there, you probably didn't miss me in my big uh, white shirt with cars all over it. Um, yeah, you might even have a picture in there. Equally, we've got all sorts of usual reviews, news, and auctions coverage in there. And then if you just want to hear more of my usual trite um social media instagram and twitter you can find me on there as at jesse on cars and hopefully when my laptop comes back from the menders i'll get back on my youtube stuff because i've got loads of video stuff i need to edit together to do youtubing and an interview with abby eaton that i completely forgot to edit before my laptop died so now my laptop's died and have no means of editing the the interview but it's coming i promise you it's coming it's coming ellie may where can people find you uh you can find me 
creating graphics for our Instagram page, or if you want to hit me up independently and support me in the fact that Timo says that I have no voice in the <laughs> past, then you can uh, hit me up in TikTok because I run that independently of anyone else whilst I have to share the rights on Instagram with Timo. So, yeah, if you get creepy messages on, t- on, on our um, Instagram, that wasn't Ellie Mae. <laughs> I am a yeah, I don't do professional. Any I just do the graphics. Anything else is all Timo. In the meantime, you can find me over on Is It Fast on the Curbs, the Nitro X podcast, Paddock Sorority, and of course, Instagram. Got lots and lots of interviews going on across all of those, so do keep your eyes and ears peeled for that, as well as making sure that you have liked, subscribed, and got notifications turned on for this, the Undercut Podcast. Mm-hmm.